Hi, I'm Libby Trickett. This is All That Glitters, a podcast where I sit down with the world's best retired athletes and explore the transition from the bright lights of competition to the real world. Today's guest is world champion Ironman athlete Carolyn Steffen. The warrior princess, Xena the warrior princess, and one of the best athletes in our sport, Caroline Steffen. Caroline Xena Steffen. I'm good, thank you. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Oh no, it's my pleasure. Thank you so much for making your time when you have a very, very small baby. Yeah. <laughs> she's very tiny, but she's asleep at the moment and granny's in the, you know, she's looking after her for a little while. So, yeah. Oh, that's perfect. How old is she now? Uh, six weeks tomorrow. Wow. Holy moly. Yeah. How are you going? So I'm going good, thanks. Um, she wants to be hauled a fair bit, yes. um, which is a bit of a challenge, but... You know, um, it, it's good. I love it. Um, I just love being a mum. So that's awesome. Oh, that's so nice. It's um, yeah, because it's interesting. Because in the research that I've done, I saw that after your first boy Xander, yeah, uh, you were kind of like, you know, it's just the best thing that's kind of ever happened to you, and you're happy to take adjustments to your training and everything that you needed to do to attend to his needs, which is just amazing from my perspective because I, if I was swimming while having a child, I would have been like, oh, so annoying <laughs> to have to look well, after the baby. You know what? It was, a, it was a massive challenge, but I love a challenge. And I, I didn't want to miss out on that opportunity. You know, people talk about how strong you're going to feel after you have a baby. Mm. And um, I thought I just want to give it a go and see if that's that's something really, you know, it's really true. and and. And it, it was, you know, it had had a absolutely phenomenal dream season after having Xander, which I never expect. Um, it was hard. It wasn't easy. You know, it maybe looks like it was easy, but it was a hard, hard journey. But I enjoyed to have both, you know, at the start. And then when you got a bit older, it just got a bit too hard. So, yeah, it was a, it was definitely not easy. It was a challenge, but we had an awesome season, and I had one of my best races, you know, ever in my whole career, which is quite mind blowing. And that was only what, like eight months after Xander was born. I had my first half Ironman, which is a one point nine swim, ninety k bike, <laughs> and twenty one k run when he was six months old. Yeah, wow, I had six a, months. Yeah, one of my major sponsors, he was, uh, he's based in the Philippines and he had a race on in Vietnam and I, I sort of had to race to, you know, keep my, my sponsors um, happy. So um, I worked at what's dad and he was six months old and we packed the bags and went to Vietnam and had my first race. But back then, you know, six months, it wasn't enough to go to full capacity, full fitness, and I still had um, way too many kilos on my on my hips too. Um so it took me a little bit longer, but I would say probably when Xander was uh, nine months old, I would say I had um, some really, really strong races and I won pretty much every single one I did. And then just before he turned one, I went back to full Ironman and had one of my best races in my whole career. Mm. You know, it's, and I felt like, I felt like superwoman all day and it's, it was incredible. I, I loved that one day race that full army and one one of the ones I really enjoyed you know and I when I crossed the finish line I was so proud of what I just achieved and yeah I am totally in awe of you 
because coming because you you come from a swimming background, right? Like you were a competitive swimmer in Switzerland, um, made some junior and national teams, national titles. So you're quite a successful swimmer in Switzerland. Switzerland, yeah, yeah. No, and, and and then you made this like the switch to pro cycling, just to like so people can get an understanding of the process that you've gone through to get to doing full Ironmans, which is just like so far outside of my realm of understanding. <laughs> so you did longer than the 53 stars. Oh, just a little bit longer, just a little bit longer. And then you decided to, oh, I just, I'm, I'm just in awe of this, this journey that you went on because you went from pro, um, swimming to pro cycling and then you just thought, why not have a go at Ironman? Why not? Yeah, yeah, sort of. Yeah, <laughs> I it, after swimming, I had I had shoulder injuries, so I, I couldn't really, you know, keep doing what I did, and I, I felt like I'm done. I was early twenties, and I, I never had the success I was dreaming of. You know, like you guys going to the Olympics, it never happened because I was just really quite average swimmer. I was good enough for Switzerland, but Switzerland is not really on the map in swimming, as you know. <laughs> so I never really made it. I, I made the short course world championship in Hong Kong in 1999. And that's probably the best result I ever had. We got fifth in a, in a relay and that was it. You know, I was a good relay swimmer, but definitely not strong enough to go to the Olympics or compete like, like you did, you know, I was far, far away. And then I was sort of done with swimming. I was early twenties and, um, and then I start enjoying life as you do in early 20s, but that got to be boring. And then I want to take something different on. And I, I just love sport. I really love doing whatever, you know, not particularly just swimming or whatever. And then I found out there's a there's an event called Armin. Um, it's a full-day event, and I got quite excited about that. It's like, yeah, that gives me something to do, you know. And I did one in Zurich. And um, after the race, they told me I'm qualified for the world championships in Hawaii as a as an amateur, mm. uh, which you don't have in swimming. You know, swimming is like a pro sport. You, you, you're you full-time swimmer or you're not. But in triathlon, we got a lot of age groupers, we call them. So they amateurs and they that's like a hobby. Mm. So that's what I did back in 2006. And I went to Hawaii and I did quite well, but I was on the wrong bike. It's hard to explain, but we've got time trial bikes, we've got road bikes, and I, I was in Hawaii, which is definitely a very fast course. You should be on a time trial bike. I was on a road bike because that's the only bike I had, and I did, I did really well. So after Hawaii, when I got uh, 30 in my age group at the World Championship, I got a phone call from pro cycling team, and they said, um, we're watching Hawaii. It's absolutely nuts what he just did on a road bike. We like to take you on board. And that's how I got across to cycling for a couple of years. Wow. But cycling wasn't really my sport. I never felt comfortable 100%. It's a team sport and I'm just not a team sport. <laughs> I feel you in my soul. <laughs> I know you feel the same way. And uh, it was great. You know, it was a great experience. We used to be based uh, in Melbourne, down in Black Rock and it was an amazing experience. I learned so much and I got so strong on the bike, you know, over those two years. But I didn't want to work all the time for the other cyclists, which you do, you know. I wasn't I wasn't the leader in the group. I was, mm. you know, back in a pack and have to get the people back, which you try to escape at the front and just do all the work. And then, yeah, team sport, not 
my thing, really. So, <laughs> so what made you so, want to turn professional into Ironman then? Like, obviously, you've built up this endurance engine through your swimming and through your cycling. What made you want to take on that as the next challenge? Because you weren't, no, no offense, you weren't a spring chicken. You're almost 30 when you started to really take Ironman seriously. Yeah, I was, I think it was early 30s, 31 or something. Yeah. So quite late to change sport and go in a different, but um, like I said before, I like the challenge, you know, that one day event, which is funny because that left swimming sort of because I didn't want to train, you know, 30 <laughs> hours a week anymore. But now we're putting up to 40 weeks, uh, 40 hours a week. So yeah, it's strange, but I, I, I do love sport and I love a challenge and, and, and Ironman gave me that, that challenge of what can I achieve, you know, how, how fast can I go over one day or over that crazy distance? And there's so many things you can learn each race you do. And um, I just find it fascinating, the whole process you're going through and in the race, you know, and then the feeling you get after the race, um, like an addict, you know. You cross that line and then you're so sore and, 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 and tired and, you know, in so much pain and say never again. And then two days later, you sign up for the next. Yeah. What was the goal? Was there a goal or did you just love it? Like, as you said, you, you obviously love sport. You love that physical challenge. That's something that's obviously in you. But what was the, I guess, intention behind wanting to achieve an, an Ironman race or, or to do better? Were you wanting to win? Was that the goal or was it just to do faster time? I love winning a race. That's something I really enjoy, winning a race, have that that tape across the finish line. I also want to make a living out of sport, to be honest. That was one of my goals as well because as a swimmer, I never reached that. And as a cyclist, there's literally no money in the sport, um, especially women cycling. So I never was able to make a living out of what I really love to do. And with, with triathlon, I found that passion again for pushing myself, all the training I do, and I travel the world. You know, it's a, it's, a, it's a great lifestyle and making a living out of it of something you really enjoy. But at the start, it didn't really work out that well. I got, a, mm. got hit by a car like two, two months into my pro uh, license. So oh, my goodness. I, it wasn't that bad, but, you know, it's just little setbacks and mm. I needed to make money to make a living out of it. So I was sort of forced to keep doing really well. And the first few months was pretty hard because I needed I needed 1000 Australian dollars to make another month out of it, you know. So I needed to go to that particular race and I had to win to make $1,000 to make it to the next month. That's intense. <laughs> At the start, it was really, really a struggle to make a living out of it. And then I came to that particular one race. It was in Abu Dhabi. They had big, big, massive prize money, and I knew if I do well, I save, I save my career for the next whole year. Wow! Did you do well? <laughs> um, coming off the bike, no, I was really far back, and then I start running, and it start catching all the other girls, and I felt like, I felt like Pac-Man. You know the Pac-Man yeah. guy? <laughs> yes, just chewing them up. And yeah, exactly. And every single time I passed one girl, it was ding and then cash. You know, it's yeah, yeah. And I felt a Pac-Man. I came from tenth place into fourth, and that was enough prize money 
to make it through the whole year. And I knew that when I crossed the finish line, I had enough in the pocket to live as a professional triathlete for one year. And that was such a big, a big step because I achieved something which I want to achieve for, for, for years, for decades, you know, mm. being a professional athlete and enjoy what I'm doing. And I was able to do that after so many sports, swimming and, you know, riding. And Did that feel good? Because I imagine at, you know, early 30s, you've had this opportunity, well, in your mind, you know exactly what you're trying to achieve. You you know what you're working towards. But I imagine that would would have been quite a lot of people in around you who were like, "What the hell are you doing? <laughs> like, I like it's an awesome idea. I love that you love sport, but why on earth at you know 31 are you trying to take on this other sport and you know giving up? Because I I assume you were working during this time as well so I assume you've had to you know let let some employment go you moved across the other side of the world to focus on this um Ironman triathlon (laughs) yeah I did I did had a job back in Switzerland yeah so I came over to Australia just for a couple weeks to do a bit of training and the plan was to head back go back to the real world Mm. back to my family back to my normal job but I changed my mind that couple of weeks when I was in Australia and I said, no, nah, no, nah, I'm staying here. I'm not going back home. I just take the risk. That's it. You know, I just, it feels right for me. I want to give it a go. So I had three phone calls to make. I had to call my mom. I had to call my dad. <laughs> <laughs> I had to call uh, my work because they expected me back next week. Wow. So... I had a couple coins in my hands. I was on a, I was up in Bulolaba and I went to a public phone, you know, cabin. I <laughs> <laughs> chucked a couple of coins in I had left. <laughs> it was, it's cra- like looking back, it was so, it was such a big step and I couldn't mm. sleep for days because I thought, I'm, what, what I'm doing here, you know, that's insane. But it felt, it felt right. It felt the right thing to do. And I'm a person who, if I feel, if my gut feeling tells me go for it, then I really go for it, and then and then I'm all in. So I called my work, and they, you know, were a bit upset about <laughs> me not coming home. And by the way, guys, I'm just going to stay here. <laughs> and my mom was in tears because she was so happy for me. Oh, that's awesome. She, um, she said, uh, you know, I gave you this life, and um do whatever you want to do. I'm happy for it. My dad was in tears too, but not for the same reason. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, it just just felt right to do that big step. And the first few months I got so many phone calls from family and friends in Switzerland. They say, what the heck are you doing? You know, Mm. that is crazy. That is nuts. And I had, there was not much support there, Mm. you know, because they were worried about me. Not supporting because they don't want me to do it they want me to do it but they said it's it's a big risk you know mm. and, and Switzerland everyone is all about keep it safe so I had a I didn't have much support back then and it was quite a rough time at the start so when you that had that rough. moment in that race where you've won enough money that you're now earning money as a professional athlete and you've earned enough money for the rest of your year that must just be 
that must have just been such vindication for what you've dedicated yourself to and and what you hope to achieve. Yeah, and I, I know it sounds a bit strange talking about money, but it, it it's not it's not the money. I just want to leave as a professional athlete, yeah, and I couldn't totally. Do that. So I needed I needed that. And funny enough, I got I got fourth. You know, I wasn't even on a podium. But looking back, the the photo of the finish line, I'm celebrating like I won the race <laughs> because of my head. And exactly, it's ten grand. It's ten months. Mm. It's that's how easy it was. And to achieve that, to be able to live my dream as a as a professional athlete for at least ten months, that was just the biggest thing ever. And I was so proud of what I what I achieved. And was that like a weight off the shoulders as well? Because you can then just totally focus on your training rather than when the next paycheck was coming. Yeah. Yeah, I, I felt like I don't need to prove myself anymore, mm. you know, prove myself to other people, which which you shouldn't have to do. You know, it's if, if you want to do something, go for a certain step, you should be able to do that without feeling the need of placing other people and worry about other people all the time. But it was definitely a big relief. And then the whole season went big steps forward, you know, and and then the last race in the season was um, the second last actually was Hawaii and I got second second in the world as a pro, which was a massive achievement. And Switzerland, all the newspapers were covered, you know, front page, uh, Caroline Stefan, you know, second at the World Championship in Kona and all my friends like, oh, my God, you know, then it was the, it was, it was such a, a big year for me and coming from absolutely nothing to the top in the world because of all my background, because I spent 20 years in a pool, nothing else. And because I was a pro cyclist and because I'm a bit crazy <laughs> and take a big risk, you know, that all came together really nicely. Can you explain a little bit, because your nickname is Xena Warrior Princess. Can you explain a little bit where that um, kind of comes from? Yeah, that um, my coach, Brett Sutton, gave me the name. I think it's for two reasons. He's really bad with remembering names, so he got a nickname for everyone. <laughs> helpful helpful (laughs) that's the reasons and the second yeah because just the way uh, I raised um people knew me as um really hard to beat because I was really just not giving in Mm. except you know passing out on the side of the road then you can pass me but otherwise just just as a as a fighter very strong-headed yeah and that leads me to my next question because like the idea of running a marathon in of itself for me is just like I can't even get my head around running 42 kilometres. It's a long way. But that's after, you know, doing a 3.8-kilometre swim, which for most people would be like just out of their realm just to begin with, Um, and then cycling 180 kilometres. That's a long way too. (laughs) Do you just like – because it goes for what is it? Um, nine hours or just under nine hours? Depends on. <laughs> Depends on the day. Depends on the day and the conditions. And all, all. Seventeen hours, yeah. <laughs> Seventeen hours is cut off, but yeah. <laughs> uh, as, a, as a pro, my best is eight and a half hours. Eight, eight and a half hours. Eight, eight, eight and thirty-four minutes. Yeah. I can't imagine physically pushing my body for that amount of time in one sitting. <laughs> Like, how, what does your brain do during that time? What does your body do? What? How do you 
stay focused during such a long period of time? Surely, like, you must go up and down the whole way. Yeah, so super busy. Like, your brain is super busy. And that's one part of uh, where you get really tired because you're so busy all the time with thinking ahead. So let's say you've got a swim start, you're thinking about the first 200 metres, which is quite important to get in the right pack, you know, and then and then you have to stay focused and stay on a certain feet. And then you have to focus on getting quick out of the water and getting changed, you know, and in the race you always have to think ahead. So I, I was always roughly five minutes ahead of what I'm going to do next. And then you have to put the helmet on, you have to go on the bike, and then you have to eat and eat every 20 minutes. And then you have to stay out of other people's drafting zone. And it, it's it's a very busy eight mm. hours. I know it's hard to believe, but um, your brain is working a lot. And you you can lose a race if you stop thinking about what's the next smart step to do. And then you always have a plan A, you know, if that falls apart, it has to be a plan B or C or D. Um, if you have to go plan D, you're probably a bit in trouble. <laughs> but, you know, plan A pretty much never happens. It's a long race, but it's 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 a very, uh, there's so much going into it. Uh, we've got so much material. You know, it starts swimming with having the right swimsuit and goggles. And then the bike is very complex with, all the gear you need and all the nutrition on the bike and all the food and all the drinks and all the things. And then running running a marathon, being that fatigued is, is a challenge itself because if you're not ready in your head anymore to push for another three hours running, then, again, you can lose the race quite quick. So, yeah, it's just unbelievable what you're able to push your body through and your mind through to to get to the finish line, it's it's absolutely remarkable. And then you've you've gone and had a baby <laughs> amongst all of this. Um, you know, in your in your thirties, you kind of decided that that was the next step to take, and then to see if your body was able to come back from it. Was that a, an intentional choice, or did you just want to have a baby at that stage, and then you're going to see how you went? I always want to be a mum. You know, that was even more important than being a, a professional sports person. And and then I came into late 30s, you know. When I had Zen, I was 39 and they call you high-risk pregnancy all the time, you know. You're yeah, you're, out. you're a geriatric pregnancy. What? <laughs> like, that seems unfair. What are you doing? 39. <laughs> and then funny, you go back with 43 Mm. And they don't talk about this at all, you know. They don't talk about high-risk pregnancy. They just check everything twice, you know. Yeah. You do all the blood tests twice and you have to go to hospital all the time and, you know, they're doing a good job. But having a baby 39, you know, it's, it's, it's late. It's very late. And I didn't have the partner before then and I was focused on my career. I was focused on having all my parties and fun in early 20s and then, having a career as a sport person and then all of a sudden I was 39. So I just I just didn't want to miss out on that opportunity of being a mom. You know, if if I'm mid-40s and I look back and I'm 10 times world champion or whatever, that wouldn't be fulfilling me for, for my rest of my life. But being a mom, that's what it does. So I made the choice of having having a, a break in triathlon and having a baby. 
which happened really quick. So I was very lucky with that. Mm. And and then I want to go back and see if we can do both, you know. And it was hard, and but had it, yeah, had a great season. And but then it got hard as then it was one, you know, to start walking. And once I start walking, it's just hard work. And he wants to he wants to go to the playgrounds and he wants to do sport and he wants to do this and that. And that I start having that guilt all the time, um, pushing him away. That's how it felt to me. I know it wasn't that way, but I felt like I'm pushing him away and I have to go on a five-hour bike ride, you know, <laughs> because that's what we do. Mm. And I didn't want to do that anymore. Mm. And having having to, you know, fit in between my sessions every day, it's it's really tiring. And then I couldn't keep up anymore with other competitors because they didn't have babies. So they they swam in the morning and then they had a sleep, you know, and then they run and they have a sleep and they bike it out and then that was it. And I, I swam as well, but then I spent two hours on the playground mm-hmm. and then I did my run session and was busy again with Santa. So I missed out on all that rest you need between the sessions. And then I couldn't keep up anymore. And that was the point. And I was like, I get to a point where I'm not doing 100% this and 100% this. You know, I'm a part-time mom and, you know, I feel guilty and I can't keep up anymore with what I used to do when I was the top of the world. You know, it's and I, that's not me. I'm mm-hmm. I'm I'm an all-in 100% person, and yeah. So I had to make a decision, and I didn't really want to make the decision because it's a hard decision to do. Mm-hmm. But then COVID came around the corner, and with COVID, all the lockdowns, all the airports shut. Um, I couldn't I couldn't travel anymore. I couldn't race anymore. If I want to make a living, I have to go overseas. So I was sort of Locked down in Port Macquarie, mm. you know, which is great for training, but I couldn't couldn't earn any money anymore, and I lost started losing sponsors, and yeah, it was sort of not not in my term. Um, I plan to have one or two seasons more to give it a go, but on the other hand, I'm quite glad it took that decision away from me from stepping back and being a super mom, not a super athlete. Yeah, because I during my research, I was looking through everything and I was like, I can't see any retirement announcement <laughs> officially. <laughs> I was like, I'm pretty sure she's not competing anymore. She seems to be doing other things. She's had a second baby, um, <laughs> but I couldn't see anything. So you've officially, you have hung up the goggles, <laughs> the cleats and the shoes, right? <laughs> not officially, but we can make it officially now, yeah. <laughs> Um, like I said before, it's hard, you know, when you say retirement, it's, it's such a big word. And I know I'm in mid, you know, nearly mid forties and I have to, you know, move on one day, mm. but we're lucky in triathlon. You can do it for such a long time. We're swimming early twenties, you're done, you know, and then you're out in a real world and you have to find a normal job or whatever. With triathlon, you can do it for such a long time. Mm. And because I started so late. So call it the retirement. It's just it's just a big word, and I didn't really want to use it. Yeah, and I still don't use it. <laughs> it. It's hard to get your head around, and especially in your situation where it does feel like it's been taken out of your hands. Like it's not. 
And, and I mean, this is the thing for most athletes, right, is that most athletes don't get to retire on their terms. They either retire through injury or they retire through illness or COVID happens, <laughs> a global yep. pandemic. Um, and then all of a sudden these things that come up that we weren't expecting and it makes it quite confronting, that whole journey that you were you knew was ahead of you, you knew was going to happen but just not in the way that it transpired. Yeah, you, end of 2019, I, I felt like I need to make a decision, but I wasn't ready. And I thought, oh, maybe I can do, I can do a few more races, maybe not the world championship anymore, but I can do a few more races and, you know, keep traveling the world. Maybe, you know, it takes Anna with me and have that, that lifestyle another year or two and be still a great athlete, but not on a world stage anymore. And then, like we said, COVID hit and sort of took that decision away. And I was, on one hand, I was really happy about it. I'm probably the only one person in the world who is happy about COVID. Mm. But I was sort of happy that happens. It took the decision away from me. But on the other hand, I was quite upset because I couldn't make the decision, you know. It, it, and then they, I wasn't sure if, if is COVID only a one or two month thing, you know, and mm. then maybe by June, July 2020, we all the borders are open, we're all back racing, and then I haven't trained, and then I can't race because I haven't trained because we had COVID, and I thought I'm going to retire or not. So it was really confusing of what's going to happen next and what steps should that should I go and should I do. And so we made a decision to have another baby, which is <laughs> <laughs> when in <laughs> doubt. <baby. laughs> Total sense. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, two is nice to have, and it was like I can't raise, you know. By mid twenty twenty, we realized it's a it's a long term thing. That COVID is not just it's not just a couple of months. It's going to be longer here. And, um, we still can't travel. We still can't go overseas. There's barely any races on in Australia. Not enough races on to make a living out of it to make it worth, you know. As a, as a job, you need to earn something. Exactly. And so we had a decision to have another bump, which just happened, and. Now I'd open the border, so. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's so funny because I, I keep seeing that meme flying around. Um, it's like if you survive 2020, 2021 without having a baby, buying a puppy or an air fryer, then you're probably in the minority. <laughs> I, ha- I I bought a puppy, so <laughs> I'm right up there as well. <laughs> um, it I, I find it quite interesting um, when you say you kind of, appreciated having that decision taken out of your hands because that's something that I connect with wholly because I had every intention when I came back to swimming that I would continue on for another four-year cycle. I wanted to go to a fourth Olympics and then I got injured and it wasn't a three-month rehab, which I thought it might be. It was much, much longer than that. And I realized that it was actually kind of the universe's way of telling me that it was time to move on. And I, I'm, I'm grateful for that because I don't think I could have made that decision by myself. <laughs> so, right, because it, you change, that decision changed your whole life and your daily basis, you know, and that for me that was the hardest part, that routine, all those habits, mm. you know, had changed from one to the next day. And with COVID, that made my decision, it was, it was sort of a blessing in, in a bad way. Yeah. yeah. 
it, it's a blessing in the way that you like, you know, it's the right choice or the right decision, but it's really hard to let it go. Yeah. Well, we had to let it go because there was no other option, really. Yeah. Because we, yeah, if you, if you can't race anymore, it's like having a normal job. You go, you work all day, but you're not getting a cent for it. You know, you work for free. Mm. So I could have keep up with all my training, but because I lost all my sponsors and I couldn't perform anymore, it's, it's hard as a, as a professional sports person to just train and having no, no goal to work to. And who knows when we're back racing. How did that feel coming off that high of of being that professional athlete and then coming, you know, down the other side where you start to lose sponsors? Like that can't feel good. No, it doesn't. <laughs> but I understand they they promote their products and they want to do it with, you know, the younger athletes coming along. And um, because – I mean, it's not an Olympic sport, you know. We have the people coming across from the Olympics. So every every four years we've got the Olympics and then from that short course racing, people coming across to Ironman and that's where the sponsors want to put their money in because they super fast and super young and, you know, promote their products well. Where I was late 30s going in the 40s, I had great contracts over 10 years, but then – you're a bit older and getting a bit slower, which is completely normal, and then becoming a mom, and it's just a, a natural way of, you know, getting you, you come into the sport and you have to leave the sport, and then the money's shifting and the sponsors are shifting, and it's just a normal process, but it's hard in so many ways, but you have to accept that's just the real world. That's just how it is, you know, and I have to find something else which is a great challenge, you know. Yeah, because we were we were talking, we were um, um, DMing on on Instagram about finding that next challenge and, you know, finding that next passion. And you're obviously you're still quite early on, and you're still very much in that early phase of finding what your next challenge is and that next passion. And you're obviously, as you said, you're a super mum now, not as not the super athlete that you were. And and obviously with that transition from one to two kids is a is a huge transition and a huge shift in it in itself. But how how do you see yourself moving ahead? Like, do you want to stay involved in in sport? Do you want to do something completely different? What are you? Where are you at at this point? Yeah, so I'm doing a bit of coaching, which I said I'm never going to do because. <laughs> Once I've done the triathlon, I'm out of triathlon, you know. And then here we go, I'm coaching. <laughs> never say never, right? <laughs> so, you know, it's very interesting. I, I do really enjoy it. Um, I got roughly 20 athletes on board. They all amateur sports table. They all have full-time job and have family. And I think with me having a family as well, I, I sort of get the understanding you know, where they're coming from, how much they want to do, how much they can do. And where as a pro, as a pure pro, no family, no kids, you don't understand how 
you juggle family and sport, you know, mm. it's, it's a hard task. But I think I do understand, you know, what the people need. And I got a really good bunch together at the moment and enjoyed it. It's, it's, it's great. It, I learned a lot in the last year. But I always said I'm not going to go into coaching, which is funny. But here we go. I'm doing some coaching and I just uh, enjoy being a mom at the moment and haven't really haven't really thought about exactly what I want to do down the track. Uh, um, I got a little Airbnb, which I'm which I'm looking after too. So it's a little, you know, a little business I got myself. And but yeah, I just uh, I love being a mom. You know, mm. it's I really enjoy it. It's it's different level stress with two than one, that's yeah. for sure. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> it's it's a, it's a time management <laughs> skill. <laughs> yeah. Um going to calls, it's not just me jumping in the car, go to calls and come back. You know, it's mm. Having a three-year-old and a newborn, getting the car without screaming—it's <laughs> an impossible task. <laughs> it's, a, it's a whole half an hour leading up to actually getting the car and go to call shopping. So, yeah, and at least five hundred uh, times saying, "Put your shoes on." <laughs> yes, you had your what shoes you on. What? Why aren't they on anymore? <laughs> and my son has this gift; he always puts them on the wrong way. <laughs> You're like, great, cool, cool, cool. <laughs> 50 chance, mate, put it on the right way. And he always, I don't know if he does it on purpose to really piss me off, puts it on the wrong way. <laughs> yeah. Because I think as athletes as well, you're like, I'm, I was all about efficiency. And I imagine you'd be the same being for eight and a half yeah. hours out on the yeah. track. But like efficiency, just productivity and having to redo shoes over and over again. You're just like, come on. <laughs> I thought I had him well trained before I had Skylar. Um, he was able to put his shoes on, which was great. You know, it's little things which makes my life easier with a newborn. So he was well trained, you know, toilet trained, of course, and can put his shoes on. And and now he goes back to puts them on the wrong way. It's like, mate, we've been there. We've done that. <laughs> we have nailed this skill. <laughs> yes. It's funny. Um, I, I love it. I enjoy it. And See, when I was when I was still training and racing, like it was so stressful to fit in Xander with all his silly things and 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 you're losing your shit all the time because mm. you need to go to the next session, you know, eleven o'clock. It has to be eleven o'clock. And I'm so Swiss and so on time all the time. So you have to be Swiss eleven. Timing. <laughs> if it's ten past, I'm too late, you know, it's it's but now I can you relax, you know. Mm. It, it's it, there's no no more pressure of having to be super fit and super quick and always on time and always you know I, I can relax and really enjoying being a mom and that's that's probably the biggest plus I feel at the moment that if we get up late in the morning that's that's how it is you know there's no I just want to make sure he's happy mm. you know he's happy and he's having a um a great day or, or yeah great time on the playground or take him to sport and, you know, and it's all about him and, and, and Scarlett at the moment. So I really enjoy that and just calming down and, you know, lie back a bit and just enjoy it because they grow so quick. It, it It's such a um, 
powerful thought because I know that just before our conversation here, I was putting my little girl, she's almost two, down to, to sleep. And normally she can just, I can just put her in the cot and she's pretty cool. She's pretty chill. But today, of course, because I had to go and rush, she insisted on having me cup her head with my hand for 15 minutes as she was falling asleep. And even as she was just dozing off, like I would try and like sneak my hand out and then she'd like, you know, adjust herself. So she made sure that my hand was back there. And all I was thinking, like I had to really stop myself because I was like, this is a beautiful moment. I get to just sit here. I get to hold her face, which is actually very sweet. But also the other side of me was like, oh my God, I got to go upstairs. I've got to go <laughs> prepare a little bit more for this interview. I've got to go get ready for Caroline. <laughs> And they can feel it. I tell you, they feel the weakness of you being in a rush and you need to get stuff done. They're like, oh, you know, just snuggle up a bit more. Yes. There are moments you have to enjoy because down the track in a couple of years, you're like, you know, where's the time all gone? And those snuggles are just so cute. So cute. Do you feel like coming from that very strict athlete background has actually helped you slow down? Because I think for me, initially in um, motherhood, I I found it quite difficult to slow down because I was just so intent on having routines and, you know, trying to fit in all of the things that I needed to, to do in my days. Whereas now, three children down the track, I've been able to really start to slow myself down and be like, you know, Caroline will be fine if I'm five minutes late. It's not a, not a big issue. Have you been able to do that or did you find that quite a tense transition particularly because you're still competing um yeah I'm not great in slowing down no Mm. no it's not me like it's it's hard because you've done it for so many years not slowing down because if you slow down you lose you know it's and then all of a sudden you have to focus on different things and it's it's a hard transition and the hardest is to find a new routine I'm, I'm a very much routine person you know I like my daily I'm not getting bored about it. I'm not very spontaneous um, person. I love to have it structured, which is probably because I'm Swiss and it's probably because I'm an athlete. Yes. So if that goes out of the window, uh, I'm not comfortable anymore. And stemming from that, how do you find the little achievements every day? Because that's what uh, one of the things that I've found during that transition even eight years down the track like what the little you scare me (laughs) (laughs) no I you do you do get more comfortable just you do Uh, (laughs) I don't want to scare you Um, but like those you know as an athlete there's those little wins right that you get every like you have multiple sessions a day you get an opportunity to achieve something in inverted commas and so, you know, like now I've realized that I need to exercise first thing in the morning because that's like my little win every day. So how are you finding those little wins? Is it, you know, not having a screaming toddler? Or is it Wait a clock. Yay, win. It's funny you say that because it's, you know, at the start I was so lost. I didn't, I didn't know why I was so lost. And then I realized that. Routine, that's one thing, you know. And then the next thing is achievement. Yes. You have nothing to work towards to. So 
<laughs> I started a garden, a herb garden. Yes, so good. <laughs> and I'm growing tomatoes. Yay! That's awesome. It's it's you want to achieve something. You want to see something you produce. You know, you want to see something you do, which is hard having. Like you see the kids growing and you know how good they are and whatever they do. That's that's a big achievement. But I needed a little bit more, and I still quite haven't found it because I'm only two years down the track, not eight like you. Mm. But I, I try to do little things, you know, which you know haven't had time before to do. Yeah, it, it's hard. It's hard because um, as a mom again, you sort of trapped a bit at home. Mm. You can't leave and start art classes or do some. I don't know. It it you have to fit it in with your kids and yeah, it's little little, little things you do which is a it's like a success, you know, and it can be happy about this. Like I I always said, I want to have my own business. I still do want to have my own business and. I got a I got a granny flat at home, which I renovated into an Airbnb, um, which is completely separate now. And I achieved that, you know. And it's it's my little business I got now. So that yeah. was that was really cool. I had time to do that, and then I did that in the 2020, you know. And and now it really takes off because people want to travel again. And, exactly. Um, yeah. is a spot where people drop in on the way up to Gold Coast or on the way down to Sydney or coming up for surfing. So that really goes well at the moment. I'm quite pumped that it's a little achievement, you know. But it's the little things sometimes, you know. You, like, yeah, no screaming toddlers before 8 o'clock. You know, it's a win. <laughs> that is it's a win. win. You've got to, and you've got to be aware of it. Like, you've got to be aware of those achievements. And yeah. I just find it never ceases to amaze me with these conversations how similar our needs are as athletes, you know, that routine, that sense of achievement, you know, that connection with our teammates, even though as individual athletes. You know, it's just us on the starting block, but, you know, you train every day with a group of people, you know, who are all working towards similar things. And, yeah, I just find that those things are so integral to helping that transition and understanding that and being aware of those things that can help us make that transition a little bit easier. Okay, Scott, okay one more question, one more question. Um, I like to ask people what their – most proud of from their their sporting career because we you know as outsiders as spectators we look in and we think oh you know an olympic gold medal or a win or something in um some moment in particular is going to be uh that athlete's favorite or or proudest moment but i want to know from your perspective what was your proudest moment during your sporting career um (sighs) There was one, there was one particular race. Uh, it was in 2011. It was the European Championships, and I came off the bike and I had quite a big lead um, because swim bike was sort of my strength coming as a swimming and riding background. And I had a quite a big lead and I started running. And it was it was raining all day. It was quite cold, and I'm not great in cold conditions. Who I, I is was good in cold day. conditions? I don't know. <laughs> not me. Not me. That's how I moved to Australia. Yes. <laughs> Switzerland's way too cold too for cold. me. <laughs> so we had the European champion in Frankfurt and it was freezing all day. And like I said before, came off the bike, quite a big lead. And it's the biggest race in Europe, European Championship. And I started running 
and I started cramping 1K into the marathon. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> I had to stop and I had to stretch. And I was like, oh, okay, it's all right. I keep running. But I did that for 42Ks. Every single K, I had to stop. I had to stretch. And people kept saying, oh, she's going to pull out. It was live on TV. It's a massive show in Europe. Um, I pulled through it, you know, 42K. I did collapse at the finish line <laughs> because I was so exhausted. I don't remember anything after it, but that was that was a massive achievement for me to really push myself that far, not giving up, you know, believing myself, I can do it. Even the gap in the back, you know, got less, less, less. I think you got down to 30 seconds at the end where one, the race, it's, it's quite a, you know, 30 seconds over nine hours, that's nothing, not much. But the girl was gaining on me every single K. And every single time I stopped, people were like, keep going, keep going. I even stopped before the red carpet. You know, the red carpet before you go into the finish line, I stopped there. That was my last stretch of it. Wow. And people were like, she's coming, she's coming. And, yeah, looking back, it was crazy. One of my toughest races. It took me months and months to recover. Like my body was so, so after because I pushed myself so far. But looking back, like, that was pretty cool. Mm, it's amazing. What's harder to recover from, a, a, an Ironman or childbirth? <laughs> <laughs> That's where my mind goes. <laughs> it's funny because um, every single Ironman I did was way quicker than giving child, um, <laughs> having a labour. Um, Xander was a nightmare. Uh, 16 hours and Scala was over three days. So um, for your question, I'm going for Ironman. <laughs> Way quicker to recover. <laughs> That's interesting. Interesting. That's fascinating. People say, um, oh, you will be fine, you know. Yeah, you pushed like, your body before. <laughs> you will be fine. And a lot of people say, oh, you will be fine. It's like an Ironman, you know. Mm. And I kept saying, no, it's not, because in Ironman, I'm under control. Mm-hmm. You know? You're in control. If I, I want to pull out, I can pull out. Mm. Most of the time, I didn't pull out because that's just not me. But if I want to pull out, I can pull out any second. Yes. When childbirth, you can't just pull out. No. Just, <laughs> well, I don't want to do this anymore. <laughs> I'm done. No. Yeah. No. You can't do that. So I felt super uncomfortable actually mm. being in labor because that feeling of I'm not in control anymore was freaking me out. Mm. I remember it was a very scary labor, not nice, not that beautiful. You know, people talk about that nice experience you have. And um, I was hoping to have that with Scala, which was not happening at all. Mm-hmm. But we don't know, so that's all good. <laughs> I, don't <have> <laughs> I don't have to do that again. <laughs> no. We're done with that. <laughs> yeah, it's an interesting thing. I, yeah, I, I totally understand that idea where you're like you're so in control of your body and then all of a sudden you're just so out of control. You're like, what is it? What's yeah. happening? And and it just goes on and on. You don't know when it's finished, you know. There's yes, no, totally. There's no finish line. <laughs> yes, that was my biggest <laughs> thing. Fine, but I keep moving that finish line further away from you. Totally. You know, you think you're there and then they move it away another four hours. Yes. Yeah, because that was for me with um, at the end of pregnancy because I hated being pregnant. But, like, 
to be because I had to be induced for all three of my girls. So to know that I actually had a finish line was such a relief mentally, even though I wanted to go into labor naturally and I ideally had this hypnobirthing, you know, breathe the baby out and opening up my cervix and all these things. I'm like, yes, cool, cool, cool. I've got this. And then all, all of a sudden I was like, no, I can't. I just need to know when this baby is coming out. <laughs> I just need to know that there's an end date. Well, Skyla was like, we waited for two days. You know, it was in a hospital for two days. And I thought, oh, it's going to happen. No, not happening. Oh, it's going to happen. Not happen. And then I sent my partner home um, because I said, it's not, it's going to, nothing going to happen for at least another four hours. And then we see, and then, you know, and then one and a half hours later, called him. He's like, you better get back here because she's on the way. It's and go time. 25 minutes later, she was here. Wow. <laughs> when the told me is nothing like You know, it's it's out of control and I like to be in control. So, yeah, hard. Thank you so much for, for your time, Caroline. It's just been such a pleasure to talk to you. And, yeah, I, I, I mean, I said sort of halfway through the conversation, it's – it, it feels so normalizing to be able to talk to other athletes about their experiences during this transition because you kind of feel a little less crazy <laughs> and a little bit more normal. Like it, this is all very much part of that journey. So I really just so appreciate your time, especially with such a small baby. <laughs> okay. Um, I just want to say thank you so much for doing the, those podcasts, you know, and, um, I wasn't prepared at all to retire, you know. I'm still not prepared. And I thought I'm going to be fine, you know. And I wasn't at the start. And then I realised I'm not the only one. And then start listening to your podcasts. I realised, oh, my God, you know, I'm actually doing quite well compared to what other athletes going through. So I think it's a big, it's a big topic no one wants to talk about. Mm. And I just want to say thank you so much for taking on that topic and put it out there you know it's it's important people know your side of the story and um maybe some other athletes can relate to my story and it's important people talk about it and put it out there I can't tell you how much that means to me you've absolutely made my day (laughs) because that's what I want from this this whole this from this podcast I want people to feel seen and acknowledged and understand that it is a really difficult transition and it's a really difficult journey to go through but you're not the only one who is going through it so I just yeah that means so much to me so thank you yeah thank you thanks you Caroline is just such a remarkable athlete she's a remarkable human being who is able to just push her body to limits that I just can't even imagine and it was such a pleasure to to talk to her about her experiences during her retirement transition because there's just so many things that I connected with personally along those lines of routine and achievement and all of those things that made me feel a little bit less normal a little less normal a little more normal And I just, I, I think they're really important conversations to have, not just amongst athletes, but among people, because transition is, it can be incredibly challenging. And, you know, it's, it's not just 
one part that you're processing. It's just there's so many multifaceted issues and and things that people experience during those big life changes. So, yeah, I just absolutely love that conversation with Caroline. She just articulated things so incredibly well and it was just such a pleasure to hear about her experiences as an athlete. So, um, as always, if you have any ideas of retired athletes that you'd like to hear from, make sure you head to Instagram at All That Glitters Pod and DM me there. Um, otherwise, I hope you have a wonderful week and I'll chat to you then. Bye.